thank you, Brother Gary and choir and orchestra. We love you very much. Bow with me for prayer. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to the Lord with cries of joy. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises for God is the King of all the earth. Sing to Him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on His holy throne. And Father, we are cognizant of the fact this morning that You are on Your throne. You are in control. You have all power, all authority. You are a God of love and mercy and grace as well as a God of justice. We are thankful for what You have chosen to do for us through Your Son, Jesus Christ. We adore You and pray now that You have been pleased with our worship and that You will speak to our hearts from Your precious Word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Open your Bibles, please, to Philippians. The first chapter, Philippians, the first chapter. Again, uh, Gary, thank you. That just absolutely, in baseball jargon, a grand slam home run this morning. Just amazing. Thank you so much. And love you and appreciate you as you lead us. We are continuing our series in the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi from prison. And you'll remember that the theme of this series is from servants, that is from Paul and Timothy, according to Paul in the first verse, from Paul and Timothy to servants, that would be the church at Philippi, about the servant, and that would be Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. This morning, stand together. That wasn't, that was telling you the title. That wasn't yet. (laughs) Just a minute. Stand Together is the title of, of the message. Uh, Our youth have had D Now this weekend. In fact, they'll come in here in a few minutes. And it's been a magnificent weekend. And one of the encouraging things for our youth in having this special weekend is is seeing and identifying brothers and sisters in Christ on their campus and knowing that we can stand together for Jesus. That's a very important aspect of D-Now, Disciple Now. Standing together is important for a family. It's important for a church. It's important for a nation, how we need it. It's important for an athletic team. It's important for a business. There is strength in standing together. So now stand together. And we're going to read verses 27 through 30 of Philippians chapter 1. And here is what Paul wrote as he concluded this first chapter. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you were going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have." You may be seated. Stand together. There are several aspects of this standing together that I want us to examine from this scripture. And the first is this. Stand together 
as citizens. Stand together as citizens. In verse 27, the translation that I have and preach from the NIV is a little weak on this particular, uh, this particular 27th verse because it literally should say, as citizens conduct yourselves or conduct yourselves as citizens. Because the Greek word there is uh, from a word that means that is polytuma, and we get the word police, politics, polis meaning city. It means citizenship. So Paul is saying to the church in Philippi, stand together as citizens, live together as citizens. Citizens of what? Citizens of the kingdom of God live together, stand together as citizens of the kingdom of God in little Rome. That's what Philippi, Philippi had a nickname, little Rome, because Philippi tried in every way to imitate Rome, to be the, the most Roman of all Roman cities that actually weren't in Italy, to be little Rome. And so Paul says to the church in little Rome, be citizens of the kingdom of God, stand together, live together as citizens of the kingdom of God in little Rome, in Philippi. These are words that are carefully crafted by Paul, led by the Holy Spirit. And he means for them to understand, as he will say explicitly later in this epistle, your citizenship is in heaven. You are part of the heavenly kingdom, the kingdom of God. So while here we are counter or contra citizens, not loyal to Nero as emperor, but to Christ as Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, not Lord Nero Caesar, but Lord Jesus Christ. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. So stand together and live out your blood-bought heavenly citizenship. Stand together, my brothers and sisters, in little Rome, in Philippi. Now, let's leapfrog to today for us. First Baptist Belton is an outpost of the kingdom of God. As citizens of the kingdom of God, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we should stand together in the way that we treat one another in the way that we serve one another, in the way that we love one another, in the way that we respect one another, because we remember we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Never enemies, but always brothers and sisters in Christ. So Paul says, as a reminder to the church in Philippi, in little Rome, stand together as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, of the kingdom of God, your commitment, your commitment is to Christ. So stand together in that commitment. So stand together as citizens. Secondly, Paul says, stand together for the gospel. 
stand together for the gospel. You see that in verse 27. In a manner, he says, in a manner worthy of the gospel. The gospel was so important to Paul. His joy in prison, can't ever let that overarching fact be forgotten, that he is not riding from a lounge chair on a beach on the Mediterranean. He is riding from prison in Rome. And so he says, my joy in prison comes from sharing the gospel. And with whom was he sharing the gospel? We covered that a couple of weeks ago. He is sharing the gospel with individual members of the Roman elite Praetorian guard who had the responsibility of guarding him and being chained to him 24 hours a day, seven days a week with a chain that was no longer than 18 inches. Paul was never more than 18 inches away from a member of the Praetorian guard. And it was his joy to share the gospel to them. No doubt there were some who said, stop, I don't want to hear it. But there obviously were many who listened because the text tells us later in Philippians that the gospel had penetrated into the very household of Caesar Nero. And it was Paul's joy to share the gospel with whomever he could, with whomever would listen to him. And even in the previous verses that we looked at last week, Paul Paul says, I, I, I'm thrilled, I'm so happy when the gospel is shared uh, accurately and powerfully, even if someone sharing it is envious of me and they're sharing the gospel from envy. That's okay, it doesn't matter to me as long as the gospel is proclaimed. And so he says, to, to little Rome, to Philippi, remember, war has been declared on me and on you and on the gospel for a number of years now. And if you want to know where we find the beginning of that, you go back to Acts chapter 16, where Paul was in Philippi. And in the 22nd verse of Acts 16, it says the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods and they were severely flogged and thrown into prison. That's where it began and it continues, Paul says, to this very day. But remember on that very evening of which Paul and Silas were thrown into prison came the conversion experience of the Philippian jailer and his family and no doubt I'm sure some of the prisoners and so we remember Paul says remember that we are under great stress and opposition but look at what God is doing stand together for the gospel you see the church in Philippi was in mortal combat with the good news and the preaching of the gospel and the church on one side and the darkness of a God-opposing political empire that was the most powerful the world had ever known on the other side. And yet we read in the text, we read in the scripture that the, the Holy Spirit was moving and the gospel's 
power was gathering momentum. And in the midst of that, even from prison, Paul says, stand together. Stand together as citizens. Stand together for the gospel because we are the people of God. And thirdly, Paul says, stand together by teamwork. Stand together by teamwork. We're, we're on a team. Do you know that? Team FB Belton. We're on a team. We've got the same God. We've got the same Savior. We have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same Bible. We're part of the same church. We have the same purpose. And we are planning to spend eternity in the same place. We are on a team. And so Paul reminds Philippi and thus us, stand together by teamwork. He words it in verse 27, by one spirit, stand together. And that one spirit is the Holy Spirit. So the ability for us to stand together, since we're all so very different, and we are, everybody's different, everybody's got their own personality, and we look different, we're different ages, different background, we're different. But the ability to stand together comes through the Holy Spirit in them in Philippi and in us here in Central Texas. So Paul is encouraging the church in Philippi, say no, say no to Roman, to the Roman culture's demand to compromise the faith and do it resting in the power of the Holy Spirit that is in you, in all of you. And that that unity is what glues us together, the unity of the gospel, and that unity requires action, teamwork, striving together is the term he uses in verse 27, which is both an athletic term and a military term, both at the same time. An athletic term and a military term. Winning teams have teamwork. Winning armies work together as a team. Think to the athletic world. And I, I'll never forget the San Antonio Spurs a couple of years ago when they won the NBA title. They had a couple of good stars, Kawhi Leonard, Tim Duncan. But they didn't have as much talent as many of the teams that they faced. But what they did have was incredible teamwork. And if you were a fan of the Spurs, you remember it. The Houston Astros this last year won the World Series. I'm not sure they had the best players in baseball. But what I saw was incredible teamwork. And it pains me to say Philadelphia Eagles. That that hurts deeply. But they had incredible teamwork. And what incredible joy it brought to us at the conclusion of the Super Bowl to see so many of their best players and their head coach giving praise and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. How God used that football game. I've often said God is not interested at all in sports. I am, but he's not. But that's not really true. God is interested in how it can bring glory and honor to him. And it, it, it we just saw it last month, two months ago now. So Paul says, stand together by teamwork. Stand together as citizens. Stand together 
for the gospel, stand together by teamwork. And the fourth thing Paul says is stand together with hard work. Stand together with hard work because he, he talks here about the striving and the serving. So gospel stuff, the spread of the gospel requires hard work. It does. The, the, the Christian life must be understood. Salvation is not by work, but it is by grace through faith in Christ alone. Don't ever misunderstand that. Did, did you see Billy Graham's funeral or replays of it? I mean, can you, but what a, what a witness. Millions of people were watching. Yes, a whole bunch of Christians, but a lot of other people were watching too. Watching and listening to the words that were spoken and how clearly the gospel was proclaimed by his children and by others who had a, a speaking role. To God be the glory. Wonder how many have come to know Christ through the death of, of Billy Graham. So salvation is not by work, but by grace through faith in Christ alone. But having been redeemed, then we work together to share the gospel. That's what evangelism and missions is all about. We work together to share the gospel. So in the church in Philippi, there were no pew potatoes. They didn't have pews yet. There were no floor potatoes, no bench potatoes. No, there. everybody had a role and there are no pew potatoes here. There is something for every member of the team to do. And so we stand together with hard work. The, the fourth, the fifth thing that Paul lays out in this passage is to stand together with courage. Stand together with courage. Verse 28 says, do not be afraid. The stakes are high. It's not a game. The stakes are high. Uh, Paul says, stand together with courage. Believers in Philippi were very, how shall I say it? Very un-Roman. Very un-Roman. They were despised they were rejected by their unbelieving neighbors they were persecuted they had to try to earn a living when it was difficult to do so once the word was out that they were followers of christ for many of them would not be able to hold jobs or if they were craftsmen many people would not buy from them because they knew that they were followers of this christ and so it was extraordinarily difficult uh, for them. They, they were subject to violent acts. They were subject to lies like the one that accused Christians in the first century of being cannibals because they took of the flesh and the blood of Jesus in the celebration of the, the Lord's Supper. So the accusation was hurled against them that they were, that they were cannibalistic. Many of them were jailed, as was Paul, and many of them were put to death. There was little human recourse. Once, as a believer, you were arrested. It wasn't the great judicial system that we know here in our land of the free and the home of the brave. There was little recourse for believers in any part of the Roman Empire. But Paul says, don't panic. In the face of all that, don't panic. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God, and he is in charge. 
In, in verse 28, he says, when you are not intimidated, when you are not frightened, when you are not afraid, it is a sign to both Christians and un- non-Christians alike, and it is a sign to unbelievers that our confidence is in Christ and that we are the winners, to put it back in sports vernacular. We are the winners. We, we know the last page of the Scripture. We know what happens. We are victorious through Jesus Christ. And Paul wants Philippi to remember that, and he wants us The Holy Spirit wants us to remember that. Stand together with courage. I I just think as I read Scripture and as I observe, just observe, the world in which you and I live, that courage part is becoming more and more and more important and will continue to be more and more and more important in the days to come. Now, the sixth thing Paul says is stand together through grace. Now, in verse, if you look at verse 29, for it has been granted, the word granted can be translated, in fact, would be better I think, translated this way for it has been graced to you. It has been graced, granted or graced to you. That is given freely, unearned from God, graced to be a believer, graced so that we might believe, and then graced to do something else. That'll be the last point. Graced. To believe. Whenever I realize, I hope I don't do this too often, but, but whenever I realize in any situation that I, I'm, I'm looking at myself a little too highly, like maybe God just can't do what he wants to do without me, then, then I remember grace. It's all, all I have to do is remember grace. God's unmerited favor. We do not earn our salvation, nor do we earn God's blessings. We are graced. It is a graced gift to believe in Jesus. So he says to the church in Philippi, and the Spirit says to us 2,000 years later, stand together as citizens, stand together for the gospel, stand together by teamwork, stand together with hard work, stand together with courage, stand together through grace, and lastly, stand together with suffering. Well, wait, wait a minute. How'd that get in there? Yep, it's there. Verse 29, look again. For it has been granted to you or graced to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Okay, there it is. Suffering is also a grace gift. We are sharers in his suffering, Jesus says. 
Suffering is not a sign that God has forgotten you. Have you ever thought that? Probably at some weak point, we've all wondered, God, did you forget about me? On the basis of what I'm going through, God, did you forget about me? No. Suffering is not a sign that God has forgotten us, but rather a proof that God's grace is real and is at work in us. And that's what Paul wants the church to know. As sobering as that may be temporarily, it is good for us to know. Elsewhere, in his very last letter to to Timothy, 2 Timothy, Paul said, In fact, everyone. How many times we may have wished that that said, some of you. But it says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Uh, we'll get to chapter 3, verse 10 in the near future. But there he says to the church in Philippi, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And then in Acts 5.41, we see the reality of what the early church experienced, where in the 41st verse of Acts 5, it says, The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name, the name of Jesus. Paul and Philippi, the church in Philippi made up a heroic fellowship in the gospel. And they shared the same struggle. In verse 30, he uses the word struggle, which in the Greek is ag- agon, A-G-O-N, agon. Just takes a little bit more to say agony. That's where our term agony comes from. Agon, agony. The same struggle. Christian agon, Christian struggle, Christian agony. We are graced. To suffer. Oh, oh my goodness. For correct discipleship and our perseverance as saints, we must understand that suffering and salvation are both gifts of grace from God. Do I profess to know what all that may mean in your life and mine? No, I don't. But I do know what the scripture says. And it's good for us to know that. So that we may stand together. Stand together as citizens. Stand together for the gospel. Stand together by teamwork. Stand together with hard work. Stand together with courage. Stand together through grace. And stand together with suffering. That is real kingdom of God citizenship. Let's bow together. someone in this room needs Jesus and if that person is you then when we stand in a moment to sing our hymn of invitation I'm going to invite you to leave your seat and come and place your hand in mine and say very simply pastor I need Jesus a member of our staff will be here to pray with you to encourage you to share God's word with you that on this day you might become a follower of Jesus Christ trusting him as your savior and lord 
for the forgiveness of your sins. Will you come this morning trusting Jesus? And all of us who've already done that, may we understand the importance of standing together. If we don't stand together, we'll stand individually. And and there is a great possibility of our falling. But let's stand together for the glory of God. Father, thank you that you have graced us with salvation. And that you have graced us even with suffering. May we understand how important it is to stand together for the glory of God as citizens of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and sing.